When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Wisdom Cricket Weekly Podcast. We've got a bumper show planned for you today, folks. We'll talk about England's white ball series in South Africa, their test squad announcement for the upcoming tour to Sri Lanka, New Zealand's whitewash of India, a test match hat-trick from a teenager, the Under-19 World Cup and the upcoming T20 World Cup in Australia. But before we properly start the show, a quick plug for our kind sponsors, Extra Cover Insurance. When your cricket club is looking for insurance cover, there are a number of options. However, if your club is looking for the widest cover available and a scheme which half of all the cricket clubs in the country already trust, you need to choose extra cover insurance. The extra cover insurance policy is specifically designed to ensure against all the potential risks which face cricket clubs and with over 40 years experience there is no better place for your cricket club to be insured. To get a new quote or to review your existing cover, call for free on 0800 289 301. Send an email to extracover at marswool.com or search online for Extra Cover Insurance. Definitely worth looking into for your club ahead of the new season, which isn't actually that far away. I'm Azrana and helping me get through everything that happened in the world of cricket this week is the Wisden Cricket Monthly magazine editor, Joe Harmon, and the editor-in-chief of the Wisden Cricket Monthly magazine, Phil Walker. Afternoon. Afternoon. Hey, Az, welcome back. Thank you very much. An extended winter break. Uh-huh. You're looking really refreshed. I am really there's refreshed. A, there's a glow to your cheeks. Well, as, as I explained earlier, I, um, I I basically had a facial, which was yeah. for the first Is time in my life. What's happened? Yeah, so it lost a couple of years. Yeah, I had um had a day to spend uh, by myself in Johannesburg and thought, you know what, let's have a facial for the first time. Lovely. Yeah, um, it does show though, doesn't it? It does. Well, we'll knock that out of him over the yeah. next forty-five minutes. <laughs> <isn't it? laughs> um, we're recording today's show in between the first and second T Twenty Eyes of England series against South Africa. South Africa won the first game in East London. Uh, with England showing again that they're cross-format specialists in collapses. They fell from 132 for two to 176 for nine in the space of six overs to lose that by one run. Um, Joe, for a side that's obviously really talented, there are still quite a few question marks around this T20 side. There are. I mean, we talked about this before. They're they're really top heavy Mm. um, and they don't really have a finisher, particularly if they're going to open with Joss Butler. And actually watching yesterday, I've been very much in the camp that Joss Butler should open because he's he's too good not to face as many balls as possible. Mm. And partly just because I want to watch him bat more than <laughs> anything else as well. But yesterday did uh, convert me to think that actually England have got so many top order options that we're better off using Butler in a specialist role, wherever that might be. It's making sure that he's in for the last five overs, whether that's batting four, five, yeah. six. Um, because we've got plenty with Roy and Bairstow, Banton, Milan, there's loads of top order options and what they're lacking is someone to do the butler role in the middle order, which cost them yesterday. I mean, Morgan was kicking himself because he tried to hit the final ball of the penultimate over for six when actually if he'd knocked it down to long on, they'd have needed, I think, five off the last mm. over, job done. Um, but then we saw after he was gone that Moen's not that player. That's not his role coming in against the quicks for the last couple of overs mm. and it cost them. Joe Denley, not the answer then? Uh, I mean, it's usually me it's banging, the the, question. banging the drum for Joe Denley. I have to say, I'm not in T20 cricket 
for me, not in the role that, that he is batting. That, that's not a role he's really played uh, for much of his career at all, really. So I think there's better options out there in T20 cricket. Phil, where, where would you bat, Josh Butler? I thought you could say, where would you bat? Um, probably three or four, uh, four or five, rather, in that slightly floating position and uh, ensure as best you can that he faces the last five, six, seven overs of a 20-over game. He's done it so many times before. Uh, and as Joe rightly says, you know, with the exception of Morgan, you don't have a natural finisher. Stokes's record is oddly indifferent in T20 cricket that's, for England. That's at generous, least. really. I mean, with the bat, it's terrible, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, that's that's his most that's the most coruscating criticism I can manage. Oddly <laughs> indifferent. Um, yeah, Butler did tear it up in the IPL as an opening bat. I think he made five or six fifties pretty much off the bat as well in a row. So what got him the start of 2018 got it bizarrely such as modern game got him in the test team but yeah I think on balance you have such power as well up up top mm. you know, Tom Banton you tell me is not actually in this squad uh, but he is clearly a T20 player ready to go proved it in the in the big bash um, just gone and yeah I would personally bat him up top in the top three alongside Roy probably Besto at three and then four five six is a combination of Morgan Butler and Stokes I guess the problem with Butler is he, is he is so good and he can basically do anything in a T20 game. So you can totally see why an IPL franchise would want him to face as many balls as possible. But as you say, England are very top heavy. So the the gap in the England team is somebody to bat lower down. Um, so Joe, what is your England top seven? Well, I think this is a broadly pointless exercise. <laughs> Sorry to, to, to say that. Yes. But basically, so much of it, I think, is dependent on form, who's going well at the time, and also the match situation. So Moen shouldn't be coming in at seven to face the two at last two, three overs against the quicks. because that's not his game. Equally, uh, I don't think you can say Moen should bat four, because if there's still seven overs to go, that's when you want Butler coming in. So I think Moen effectively ends up being, being a floater. Uh, and Stokes is a real... Head scratcher with this one because obviously he has to play. He's Ben Stokes, but he's got no record to speak of in international T20. Only done it sporadically in in T20 in general. Obviously had that fantastic IPL, but not not much else really. I would be tempted to give Stokes a go at three. Uh, almost play that anchor role because he's not great when he comes in and has to hit from ball one. That's not his game in in any format really. Um, but he hasn't really got the stats to justify batting at three, which which is which is difficult. Um, so and, and the other one we haven't said is Milan here, who's got an astonishingly good international T20 record. Um, could probably feel quite hard done, but I mean, when he's looking at Denley in that side, he must be thinking, how, how's that happened? But that, again, is because Denley, they think, can do a job in the middle order, rightly or wrongly, whereas Milan is top order and they've got those positions covered. Uh, Milan's been quite punchy about his own position in the team. He's, he wrote a column in Sky Sports ba- basically saying, like, how, how how can somebody with a record like I've got yeah, not play? I don't which necessarily think these, these things are helping. Yeah. There's a. Yeah. I, it reminds me a little bit of very, very different players, but a little bit of Nick Compton, um, mm. who spent so much time complaining that he lost a lot of um, goodwill along the way uh, in and outside the changing room. Mm. And I think he, he risks going down that route. Um, do, do you think there's a danger that because England won the white, uh, another white ball trophy in the summer, the 50 over World Cup, that they, when using a very similar group of players for the T20 side, um, they, England might have those players fulfil quite similar roles to what they do in 50 over cricket? Because that's what's worked so well with that group of players for such a long time. These guys have barely played any 
meaningful T20 cricket since the last World Cup. So what I what I mean that is like Morgan bats four in the in the 50 overside, but actually I don't think there's a disgrace if occasionally Morgan bats seven. I don't think that's mm-hmm. in in specific circumstances. Um, Morgan is a very very good finisher. Uh, I think his record. I think I saw on Twitter yesterday in the last two or three years in T20 cricket is amazing in the last five overs. So him and Butler are England's finishers and there's nothing wrong with having Morgan at six and seven, even if that might feel odd. Yeah, I think obviously you have to be as flexible as as possible in in modern T20 cricket. One thing I would say in relation to to your question, we haven't seen very much T20 cricket internationally in, in the last year, year and a half. And so... What we will see, I think, is is an evolution of this team and you will see players emerge who have not played 50-over cricket, weren't, wouldn't have been a part of that 50-over squad last summer. Uh, and the divergence between the two forms, I think, will become more pronounced over, over probably the next six, eight months going into that World Cup in October. Uh, you will see, for example, someone like Lewis Gregory probably become more relevant to this 20-over setup than he currently is. You know, when you talk about... Moeen at seven being problematic, facing facing the quicks in the last two or three overs. Well, Gregory is your six hitter potentially. Gregory is the kind of player that outside of that gun top five or six, they don't necessarily have. Pat Brown will will, will feature, would have featured in fairness anyway. Um, but Banton again, Banton will probably play more cricket for the T20 side over the next 12 months than he will for the 50 over side, which I think is further oddness that he's not actually in this mm. squad. Um, when you throw in the 100 as well, which is effectively T20 cricket. Yep. There's a hell of a lot of shortest format cricket to come before um, the World Cup. And this is what I mean in terms of form is so important here. Someone can make a, a race for the for the line in the T20 side, particularly if they're a finisher, in a way that perhaps doesn't really happen with, T, uh, with the test side or certainly with the 50 over side because it's so locked down. Yeah, we, we were talking before the show because we're, we're that kind of crowd. We actually talk about cricket before we have to. Uh, and I spoke to Ollie Pope earlier today um, for an upcoming interview on wisdom.com and also the magazine. And uh, I asked him about white ball cricket and I asked him about the 50 over stuff. And I sort of unthinkingly said, so I guess, you know, next six, eight months, you'll be wanting to develop that side of your game because obviously the test stuff is already going stratospheric. And he said, well, I won't be playing any 50 over cricket. And it struck me there and then, my word, you you have this this 20 to 21, 22 year old purist as a player but clearly with the ability and the invention and the creativity to be a 50 over player and we've seen it we saw it at the end of his innings at Port Elizabeth that it all came out all the funkiness came out but it's a very different discipline for a batsman especially a batsman like him to be playing 20 over cricket 50 over cricket and test cricket and if he doesn't get any exposure to that 50 over cricket then he's going to end up being pigeonholed as a red ball cricketer and it's going to it's going to potentially hold him back for longer than it should do the they are very, very distinct skill sets, 20 overs and 50 overs. With a, with a player like Butler, maybe less so because it, he's, he's an outlier. He's, he's, a pure, you know, he's a pure talent. But with a player, a, a technician like Pope, there's, a, there's a, a very distinct skill involved, 50 versus 20. Um, and there is that, that danger, I think, of just kind of homogeneously just throwing everybody into that category. You're a white ball player. Well, the reality is that they are different disciplines with different requirements. Do you think it's potentially more different for someone like Ollie Pope, who in a 50-over game performs a totally different role to what he would do in a T20 game? Because he, somebody of his talent, ideally you want him to bat 
do the perform the Joe Root role eventually, and that that is you need to develop like a a form of batsmanship that you don't really have to show in the other forms. Yeah, yeah, and my concern with somebody like him is that he won't get enough exposure to it to to nail down his to to, to nail down the style that he undoubtedly has. Mm. Um, there are different ways to skin a cat. It's, you know, one of the great T Twenty innings I've ever seen was Coley's semi final eighty odd against West Indies in a game that West Indies ended up winning, but Coley. Coley made a 40-ball 80 and didn't hit the ball in the air. Uh, it was an astonishing piece of work, uh, and it showed how alive the bloke is to, to, to every corner of and, and every ounce of possibility. Uh, Joe Root has played, played the occasional innings um, in a similar kind of vein, maybe not quite as eye-catching, but there is a role for that kind of player still in a 20-over side, mm. you know, and... and uh, and I think Pope could could be one of those kinds of players, but the concern is that he won't really get enough exposure to it, and will end up, as I say, being kind of marginalised from from mm. from white ball cricket. It's quite interesting. We haven't talked about Joe Root at all. We're just assuming that he's going to be permanently discarded because if you look at the England T Twenty top seven, it's, at the moment it looks like Bairstow, Roy, Moeen, Butler, Stokes, and Morgan will be in it. But there is that free spot. Root could still. Yeah, I think that I, number three. I think when we picked our our squads forwisdom.com I think mm. I had Root in my squad thinking that he could still be useful big game player comes in mm. bats at number three does that anchor role I think now with the with Banton and Milan there I think Root probably doesn't get in and and to be honest it's probably not the worst thing for him I'm That's sure I'm sure he doesn't see it that way and uh, and it would be disappointing if he did in a way but mm. but there are kind of in his terms in terms of his skill set there are bigger fish to fry really yeah and one of the ongoing daily conversations in cricket is managing cricketers' time and uh, keeping the black dog at bay, you know, the black dog of burnout and mental stress and fatigue, keeping that at arm's length. Joe is an incredibly resourceful cricketer when it comes to those questions, but don't risk it. Don't risk it for the sake of, of T20 cricket when he's not an outstanding uh first name on the team sheet player mm. although as I said earlier he has played certain key innings I just wouldn't risk it with him you know he's too precious elsewhere that's not a view that view of T20 cricket is probably not one echoed by anyone in the England setup right now they, for them the T20 World Cup is pretty much as big as a 50 over World Cup yeah and you can in their heads you can entirely understand why it would, you know, England want to become double world champions mm. they want to do the double that, that's that's how they'll be thinking it and, and Joe will be desperate to get into that side perhaps Perhaps he he's he's maybe earned the right to stay in the setup up to that World Cup, but by that point he'll be thirty odd. Um, it, it would be peculiar if he were to play another T Twenty game after that World Cup, and one could understand if he doesn't play one before it. Mm. Um, it, it was a good win for South Africa. We should definitely talk about them. Uh, Temba Vuma played yet Brilliant. another brilliant white ball knock it's odd I listened to last week's podcast and you guys talked a lot about Bavuma on that one and I think um, I, I do find it odd that Bavuma has played so little white ball cricket for South Africa he's um, clearly clearly very very talented it was um, a cameo not 41 from 20 odd 23 and 24 he was balls. gutted when he got out because he knew that 100 was there for the yeah. taking yeah the way yeah. England were fielding as well that was one of the worst I've ever seen England yeah, field in yeah. any format in any match ever could, could, could I ask you England needed seven from seven. Morgan's in five down, and then he sort of lobs the catch up to Longall. And I know he walked off, sort of swearing into his chin strap and all of that. But 
Do you think if this was a semi-final of a big tournament, do you think he would have played that shot? Oh, that's a good question. I feel like he probably wouldn't have done. But he did look so pissed off with himself. There is no suggestion he wasn't taking that game incredibly seriously. I mean, I've actually rarely seen Morgan look as pissed off as he did. He really did afterwards. Yeah. Massively so. I mean, I think he definitely would have... Re- he regretted the sh- choice of shot yesterday. He would have regretted that choice of shot in a semi-final. But the fact he sh- he played it and got so angry afterwards, I think, suggests that that was just a uh, failure in judgment, which The shot was happens. on. It, it was in the slot, to be honest. It, it could have... It would have gone. And he was also in the over four. He was playing as well as Owen Morgan plays as well. I mean, that shot through the covers, which was the delivery before or two deliveries before. Yeah, over extra cover. You could see why. It was almost like he kind of couldn't stop himself. He was batting almost too well at that stage and and couldn't help but go for it. It's kind of like the anti-Ben Stokes of the last ball of the World Cup final. Yes. That is like, hit it for six, hit it for six. This is what what happens when you try and hit it for six. I I can't shake the, the sense that there is... The subconscious plays a part in those kinds of moments. And if the nervous energy is through the roof because the jeopardy is so so heightened, mm. if the consequences of you not winning that game are long long term or long 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 stretching, if you like, uh, if you're packing your bags and going home having been that close to winning something of real significance, then I don't think you would have played that shot. Also, I think it is really important for England to lose as many T20 games as possible <laughs> right now with how talented that squad is. I think they need to lose as much as possible to work out exactly what All right, well, box, box ticked. Sorry, yes. Could we just quickly add about Adil Rashid who looked... Oh, what a spell. Brilliant spell. Uh, uh, that was like, he was so good. Yeah. So, so good. Yeah. Uh, have they spoken much about the ongoing shoulder question, do you know? Or or is he broadly fit and able to bowl sort of 10 over spells as well in, in going forward and so on? Has it, has it been I've not heard any. I've, I've not heard any. I mean, he's had, a long, he's had a long rest now, hasn't he? Which is what they thought would, yeah. would fix it. So, I mean, he was bowling. He was back, absolutely back to his best. Yeah, time, bowling the googly as well, naturally. Yeah. So, so the thought that I had watching it was uh, just... For England, for England fans as much as anyone else, just have patience with the young English spinners. Rashid is, is the greatest wrist spinner England have ever had, right? Isn't anyone else comes close across all formats? Least in recent times, indisputable, really. Yeah, and it's taken him. He made his ODI debut in the same game as Jonathan Trott made his ODI debut. Uh, it's, it's taken him over a decade to get to this point, and I think when you know England fans want to see best Crane Parkinson. Uh, performing at that level at the age of 22 that's just so yeah. unrealistic it also shows the importance of having particularly as a leg spinner any spinner really uh having a captain who really believes mm. you and backs you and whenever you speak to Rashid he can't help but sing the praises of Owen Morgan and what he's done for his career and even when he's gone for loads of runs he'll throw him in the ball in difficult situations mm. and and back him and, and Rashid he's always had a not a confidence issue as such, but I think he has needed an arm around, around the shoulder more mm. than more than most of his teammates. And and Morgan's done that for him and, and turned him into, I mean, yeah, England's best white ball spinner. I'd say he's a, a better one-day spinner than Graham Swan was at any stage mm. now as well. And and I think that um, Rashid is only 31 as well. Imran Tahir played the World Cup here, age 40. I'm not saying Rashid's going to do the same, but there's a lot of talk about succession with Ad Rashid, partly because of that shoulder. But... The next World Cup, 50 World Cups in India, the T20 World Cup after this one this year is in India. Adil Rashid is going to be a massive, hopefully for England, if they're very serious about winning both of those, 
realistically, you want Adil Rashid at both well, They can't really afford for him not to play mm. at this stage. It's not like they've got a wealth of options. And even if Parkinson does, does come through how, how you'd want, um, why not play two leg spinners? Exactly. And I think Rashid is so good that is it realistic to have for Parkinson to reach that level in that time? Probably not. And that's absolutely fine. That's not a comment mm. on Parkinson. Um, Lungi and Gidi bowled oh, brilliantly bowled so well. the death his slower balls very, how very calm effective. did you look in those mm. situations as well for, for such a young guy it's quite, quite encouraging signs for South Africa in white ball cricket under Quinton de Kock um, against a very good England team I looked up the other day in, I know he I know he's the, the permanent ODI captain barely anyone ever has opened the batting kept wicket and captain in ODI cricket so Gilchrist did it for like 15 times Flower did it for a bit and the person done the most was Alex Stewart and basically they were all way worse when captaining right. than, than, than normal. So I kind He's of sorry, wonder... Sorry, in 50 over cricket. In 50 over cricket, yeah. That could happen with South Africa, even though it has gone well so far. He doesn't strike you as a kind of hugely inspiring captain or inspired to be captain mm. kind of character. There's always been the narrative of Decott that... He's obviously a fantastic cricketer, but he could sort of take it or leave it a little mm. bit. That he's not—he's not an absolute cricket badger. He just mm. happens to be unbelievably good at it, mm. um, which isn't necessarily what you'd think you'd want from someone who's going to captain, keep wicket, and open the batting. It's a huge, huge task. The problem they've got: there aren't a huge amount of other options exactly. to uh, to take it on. Uh, Bavuma obviously would be one if he if he can mm. prove himself as an international white ball player. Yeah, um, England also picked their test squad for the upcoming tour of Sri Lanka this week. So the squad was Root, Best, Broad, Butler, Crawley. Sam Curran, Denley, Folks, Jennings, Leach, Parkinson, Pope, Sibley, Stokes, Wokes and Wood. Um, Joe, is, is it's basically your squad doing a talk us through it? I guess <laughs> the, the recalls for Folks and Jennings are the two biggest talking points. So we did. We picked our squads for, for Wisdom.com and uh, me and Ed matched. I think in the Twitter sphere, that's not necessarily seen as a positive thing. Um, but yeah, mm. actually, Ben only let me pick... 15 rather than 16 so I didn't have Wokes but Wokes would have been my 16th if I could have picked another one uh, yeah well obviously I think it's a good squad <laughs> <laughs> on Jennings a lot well, of that well, he the was one the on one that I was people... yeah he was the one that I wasn't hugely convinced about about picking but um, look he's got those 200s mm. in subcontinent conditions um, not many England batsmen get many at all or any mm. uh I didn't think Bairstow should have been playing. I was agreed that Bairstow shouldn't have been picked for New Zealand. I don't think he should have come back into the test side in South Africa. The situation is bizarre. I now feel a bit sorry for him. Mm. Um, but I do. Th- I can see the justification for picking Jennings over Bairstow as your, as your backup batsman, if you like. It just seems odd that they pick Bairstow for South Africa in the meantime. Well, Neil Varani on Twitter asks, how does Bairstow go from dropped in New Zealand earning his way back with no Red Bull games to South Africa, get one and nine, and now is just rested for Sri Lanka. The, the management of Bairstow is odd, right? Yeah, it would seem so. Um, I, I find myself feeling quite quite sorry for the bloke as well. Um, he's been dragged from pillar to post. Uh, th- th- there, is a, there is a subtext that because he is, um, you know, a, in inverted commas, outsider kind of character that uh, England have mismanaged him and and not been quite as sensitive to the specific requirements, uh, to the kind of holistic requirements for somebody like, like mm. Johnny B, um, whose rec- record overall demands respect. And uh, I, I wouldn't say that they've dealt with him particularly well this winter. And I, I was probably echo the same point for Moeen Ali as well. Um, uh, Moeen was passed over from from a, a test central contract in late September 
having been taken out of the firing line in the ashes um, and having spoken to the England setup about you know the necessity for a rest, uh, burnout was rearing its head in quite an ugly way by all accounts. Um, I think England will be ruining their mistake now because Moeen Ali is, 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 will not have played a test match all winter. Um, Joe Root said in late November, I want him as part of my South Africa squad. Uh, but Moeen Ali, um, a more more sensitive and evolved uh, kind of approach to, to, to managing this particular character who's given everything for six years for England would have resulted, I think, in him being able to, to feel uh, capable of playing in Sri Lanka where they'd, they'd need him. Mm. Uh, and it casts shade over what's going to happen in the summer as well with him as well, you know. And, and, and he's also looking at, at it from a financial perspective, I would imagine, and recognising that without a contract... He's going to earn more money in, in, in the BPL, in the, the, the Pakistan Super League as well, uh, and is taking that, that road at the moment. Uh, and it, it begs the question what they're going to do with him and indeed what they're going to do, going to do with Besto as well come the, come the next summer. Mm. They are two very precious players. Uh, Archer as well, you can throw into the mix. A lot of this could be scurrilous, but you have to deal with individuals on a, on a very granular level now, uh, and especially when there are any number of alternative options for them out there. Mm. Uh, and I think on reflection, they could have handled both of those characters in particular a lot better. Ben Vokes is back in the squad. There have been a couple of quite interesting interviews with Vokes since his recall, talking about how he, I think he said that he felt like a zombie playing county cricket last year. And yeah. does that, that kind of fits what you're saying about the other three as well. It's like, Bed folks can't even count how many Lions tours he's been on. He's been away on winter tours every year since he was 17. And he's only 26. And that has quite a significant effect on players. And it sounds like he's re-energised and he's really enjoying training again. And obviously it's great to have him back in the squad for Sri Lanka, given he did so well last year. And he also talked about the effects of, uh, in the nicest possible way, being dropped after being player of the series only two games later. That has an effect on someone's um, mentality. Yeah, Um I I spoke to him yesterday and uh, it, it echoed previous conversations that we've had with him and that I've had with him. Um, he played in Dubai last March in the pipe opener game, you know, late March, early April, in the MCC Champion County game for Surrey. And he said he was on the plane thinking, how can I, how can I face this summer coming? Now, when you haven't really caught or hit a ball and you're already feeling that, it was little wonder that, as you say, he was zombified through last summer mm. and that the, 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 the numbers with the bat reflected that. You know, he, he averaged in the mid-20s, I think, in Chelsea. I think it's the worst season since he made his first-class debut. Yeah, and it's been a recurring thing with him and he's quite open about it. Um, you know, he used words to me like, he said he was just drained. He's, he's been drained at different times for the last three or four years. Mm. Um, again... As you say, two test matches after Man of the Series in Sri Lanka, he was dropped for that last test match in the West Indies. And he said to me, you know, that that did hit me hard. And he's quite a phlegmatic bloke, but he he found that very difficult to pick himself up. And this was at the start of twenty at the start of last summer, obviously. And he he has been wrestling with his love for the game. And I asked him straight, does it impact on your, your devotion to the game? He said, yeah, it does massively. And he said he, he didn't really watch any of the, the South Africa series. He just detached himself from cricket as a survival instinct. 
Now, this story is is too common for comfort. You know, you you hear about this. You hear about the the, the effect that the the game's pressures can have on on individual players, and it's nonsense for people to queue up and say, "Well, you should be," you know, "you're playing for England, or you're in the mix, or you're being paid well." Mm. Pull yourself together. It's just garbage. But is there not an argument that if he's been feeling that so recently, is he in the right space to play Test cricket? Well, you could, you could make that argument, but. Um, we spend a lot of time for the magazine speaking to players who played 10, 20, 30 years ago and a recurring theme when people reflect on their career is how hard it is if you're picked for England and then thrown back to county cricket to then bounce back from that. Mm. Some of them would go back to county cricket knowing that they're 33, 34 and will never play in test match again. Others will go back in at 24, 25 having not grasped their chance and having to get their head around that. And I think it is really hard when you think a, a, a day at county cricket you might be playing in front of a couple of hundred people mm. um, you know that the pressure is on in terms of your scores but the atmosphere is entirely different to international cricket now this isn't specific to Ben folks. I just think it's a, it's a tough thing that cricketers have to go through and, and can sometimes be uh, underestimated and, and often we're like well if they're not scoring runs in county cricket they're not going to score runs in international cricket well Ben folks did score runs in international cricket we know he's good enough to do it whether he's in the right form or frame of mind to do so We'll probably see in Sri Lanka, presuming he gets the gloves in ahead of ahead of Butler. He's not going to. No, Ed Smith said today or yesterday that Butler's our number one for Sri Lanka. Right. Well, then this tour probably isn't going to be great for folks. Frame. No, of it mind. might be hard work. Genuinely, it might be hard work. Um, it, I don't want to paint an an, an overly dark picture here. Mm-hmm. It was it was not a bleak conversation. Um, and he said that he is re-energized, and I I believed him. He also said that his keeping was completely untouched by his struggles for motivation, whatever, last summer. While his batting was affected, he said he kept better last summer than any other year. He said because he knows his technique so well that it's second nature to keep wicket. Mm. He said with the bat, when the mind is playing playing with you he said it causes havoc because you're tinkering with this tinkering with that trying to remember things trying to get in a, in a positive mindset that and he said it was playing havoc with his batting but with his keeping it was cloudlessly fine um i think if he if he were to to do to do well in one of the practice games and they were to take a punt on him i think i think he would he would be fully energized in the job but i thought it was it's quite telling really that smith is not budging from this Especially but in a, as keeper role. Especially in a two-test series as well. That basically means unless there's an injury, yeah. folks won't play yeah. because they're very unlikely to drop Butler after one test unless it's a complete, complete disaster, which yeah. obviously they it, have it, been known. It does really turn the spotlight on Butler now because obviously the knives are out for him, not in this quarter, as we know, and I say every week. But it'll be interesting to see how he keeps. Whether he scores runs or not over three or four innings, okay, personally, I think you can take that or leave that. Uh, but how he keeps will be very instructive for, say, the five test matches in India next year. Because if he does struggle standing up against 70% slow bowling, and a few people are wanting him to, I think, uh, then it really does cast a shadow over that India s- s- series next year or next winter. Uh, whereas if he keeps OK, then it, it kind of it burnishes his credentials a little bit to be to be the keeper batsman. So I, I thought this series would be a really good opportunity to 
kind of reset with Butler. So one one question we got today was from Jamie Cook, who said, "Was Yaz on acid when he suggested picking Butler as a specialist batsman?" <laughs> I wasn't. Well, you, you I was. I was not. Okay. No. Um, but the logic behind it was just feeling fresh after your facial. That exactly. The... Exactly. Um, actually, I think I I think I wrote that pre facial, but um, <laughs> um, the, the 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 idea was that uh, I think folks and Butler are in England's best seven batsmen in Asia. Forget the keeping. Um, particularly based on both of them did really well so like, obviously people are saying that folks prepared the series last time but Butler was really they good were the top he two run 40. scorers weren't they exactly Butler and Folks um, and Folks is such a good keeper as well and I think it's quite easy to fit both of them in you basically drop Denley from the 11 move everyone up one I think Root's fine batting three in Asia when Strangerbogna open with spin um, and you pe- play them both and Butler can just concentrate on batting and nail that basically, in conditions where, as you say, there'll be more scrutiny on his keeping than anywhere else. Um, it's a real acid test for him on, <laughs> on the acid theme. It, it, it'll be fascinating to see how he goes. Uh, and, you know, he is he is still... He's still trying to nail down his identity as a test cricketer, despite having played 40-odd games, 23 games since he returned, um, and a tailor two two halves with that one, either side of the World Cup. For 13 games, he was averaging 41, batting beautifully post world cup when everything was scrambled he's obviously struggled but but yeah it'll be be interesting to see how he goes um and everyone in that brains trust will be desperate that he doesn't doesn't balls anything up in sri lanka because then that settles things down a little bit going into the summer where they want him as their keeper batsman and as you know i understand why joe what's your moment of the week uh, my moment of, the, moment of the week was uh, just a few hours ago. I interviewed my new favourite cricketer, uh, England leg spinner Sarah Glenn, who is out in Australia getting ready for the Women's T20 World Cup, which starts in about a week now. Um, she is the kind of bolter in England's squad, did really well for Loughborough Lightning in the Kia Super League, got picked for the Tour of Malaysia playing against Pakistan at the back end of last year, where she was brilliant. Took lots of wickets in both white ball formats and forced her way into the uh, T20 World Cup squads. Now, England haven't really had leggies, had a load of good finger spinners over the years, just haven't really had leg spinners. And Mark Robinson and now Lisa Kitely have both made no secret of the fact that they want a leg spinner in T20 cricket, particularly in Australia with a bit of bounce in the pitches. Um, so in the end, she was a kind of shoe-in selection. And I say she's only 20. Um, she played hockey up to international junior standards, so was kind of trying to decide between the, the two. Um, and was at the 2017 Women's World Cup final in the crowd at Lords, saw the whole thing unfold, and was like, "Well, this this is for me. This is what I'm going to do." Which, uh, and earlier in her career, she'd in 2010 was it 2010 or 2009 when England won the Women's World T20? Oh nine. Oh nine. So she was only 10 years old playing club cricket against boys, and she said she used that game as justification talking to the boys at her club who didn't think women could play cricket. She said, "Well, of course they can." That was based on the Claire Taylor Beth yeah. Morgan partnership, yeah. where they chased down about 160, 170 the of even all partnerships. That was yeah. So it was great that she could go to to her club and say, "Look, we we can do it." So those two significant moments in her career have have led to her being in this World Cup squad. Uh, she is uh, bubbly. I think she got more words into a twenty minute conversation than I've ever heard in my life before, uh, and she was great fun. And I really hope she she goes well. She was excellent in the tri series between England, Australia, and India as well. I think she got. Five wickets of 14 and had a really good economy rate as well. So not just in the team, but a really 
key part of it. She, yeah, I mean, she's gonna exactly. She's she's absolutely gonna play that that first game now. Her and Sophie Eccleston. The amazing thing is actually Sophie Eccleston is uh, younger than Sarah Glenn. Yeah, has <laughs> wow. been playing international cricket for for three years. Yeah. Uh, and Sarah Glenn, so they've they've kind of struck up a nice relationship where she kind of leans on Eccleston for mm. a bit of advice about about bowling, but also just about the experience of dealing with international cricket. Um, and she, yeah, she was great fun. She also finished the conversation by saying, thanks for having me, like you kind of say to your parents' friends when you stayed over, which I thought was uh, <laughs> was very sweet. So yeah, I'm rooting for her and obviously rooting for England as the yeah. World Cup starts. In the, in the last tournament, they, England wanted Dunkley to fulfil that role because she bowled a bit of leg spin and could also be their finisher. But Glenn is seems to be the superior bowler she's and kind the of makes fit, it more... isn't she dunkley it was she was a she was a batter who bowled yeah. and that wasn't really what they needed at that point they needed that that wrist spinner mm. um which they now have and and the tri-series although england didn't make it to the final i thought was encouraging uh they beat australia um they also beat india and actually the fact that australia was given a good game by everyone i think would have been encouraging for everyone watching it's you for the world cup <laughs> yeah exactly because there was a bit of a worry that australia might run away with it but i think australia they're better at 50 over cricket than they are 20 over cricket perry isn't the same force in in 20 overs as she is in 50 overs um so there is hope for england and india and who knows west india south africa yeah south africa. i was gonna ask are australia not as far ahead as as we thought so uh they will beat each other twice in that tri-series and australia won quite a narrow final did you see what happened in the final with Meg Lanning? No. Nope. The run out, this, this was great. Um, so Lanning was on 11, uh, comes through for a quick single, is miles out, throw, definitely hitting the stumps, but bounces on the stump mic and ricochets miles away. And uh, she ends up getting, what, 15, 16 extra runs. Uh, and who knows, that, that might have got them the game. But it's very encouraging that series was so close. Run that by me again. <laughs> so... She was miles out of her crease. Yeah. Throw comes in. The ball bounces on the stump mic and then ricochets miles away from the, the, the original trajectory of the ball, where the I ball's see. going. So the stumps weren't broken. Stump, so stump stumps weren't broken. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I see, yeah. I see, I see. That little fluffy thing that's yeah, obviously... Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, okay, rather yeah. than the one that's embedded yeah, in the exactly, stump. Yeah, exactly, yeah. God, imagine if that decided a World, <laughs> a world Cup. That'd be almost as ridiculous <laughs> yeah. as the one last summer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is encouraging. We've spoken about it a few times now. I just want to get the thing up and running, really, um, and see see how England go. Uh, we know we know what Australia are gonna gonna present. Um, England's slowies, as you say, that's the key. They've been crying out for a wrist spinner. Wrist spinners in in all cricket are invaluable, but especially in women's cricket as well. That that particular trajectory and the pace off the ball as well is particularly useful in women's cricket, where you there you put the emphasis back onto the batsman or the batter to create. Yeah create the pace off the ball what what i really like what england are doing they're uh trusting the all-rounders skiver and brunt to bowl their full contingent of overs and they're playing an extra batter so you've got lauren winfield batting the specialist number eight yeah which is great yeah um and quite just quite smart way of building a t20 side yeah and and tammy beaumont in that middle order could be a stroke of genius mm. or could backfire horribly and that, that's obviously very much still up for grabs but in theory having one of your most powerful hitters in the middle order who hasn't really been firing at the top of the order should be quite a smart move. Mm. I think it is a good move. And she gave an interview to you a few months ago, Joe, where she said, uh, I'm not a Danny Wyatt player. I can't go out there and hit my first ball for four. And she said, I need a few balls to to, to work up to it. Mm. But what she does have now, obviously, is all of that, that experience and the, the self regard of having been top run scorer in a World Cup winning tournament and so on so 
when the pressure's on and it's about nerve as much as anything else, her in at four or five makes a lot of sense, I think, mm. rather than having her up, up top where she, she may take an over or two to get going. I'm really looking forward to England-Thailand. That's one of the, I think, England's second game. I watched uh, a lot of Thailand in the, uh, uh, the T20 World Cup qualifier in Scotland last year. And I think they'll be quite an exciting team to watch. Um, I don't think they'll win a game, but I think uh, they'll, they'll win over a few They've fans. got a couple of bowlers with extraordinary records that I was looking Incredible at. Incredible records. Yeah. And I think they'll do really well, even at a high level as well. Um, I think their leg their leg spinner had a BBL contract and uh, Su Chirang basically is a slightly slower version of Megan Shute. I think she could do really well in the tournament. So there you go, you heard it here yeah. first. Yeah. Um, that is class, yes. Going from Thailand now to Royal Pindi. Um, Pakistan continue their excellent start to test cricket back home, comfortably in Bangladesh in Rawalpindi. In a few ways, um, this was probably this is probably the best test of the bunch they played back yep. in Pakistan. Baba scored another hundred. Um, Nasim Shah became the youngest test cricketer to take a test match hat trick. And off the pitch, arguably more importantly, there were good crowds too. So when That's the key. when Shah got that hat trick, the crowd was going going wild. Lots of them, yeah. It, and you didn't get that sense with the the first test match that was played before Christmas against Sri Lanka. It was a peculiarly sort of funereal mm. atmosphere for what was meant to be a, cere- mm. a great ceremony. But yeah, it, it, the game was alive, um, and there was a proper sort of vigor around it. And obviously, now this kid is going to have to carry the the hopes of this cricket bonkers nation. Now, um, Osman Samiuddin, one of the greats, one of the great writers in in the game, Crick Info. Um, contributor and he wrote a, an open letter mm. to Naz Shah. Yeah, Did you read it? Yeah. And it was excellent. I heartily recommend it. Um and uh yeah, a, a, a few words of of warning. And he didn't say advice, he said gleanings from what from the reality of what it's going to be like now for this kid. Uh no culture, no cricket culture brings through a teenager like Pakistan does as we well know. This boy has the has the action uh, of a of an old stager. Mm. It looks like he has the the, the the mind of a of a established player as well and and it's it's just a, a joyous story we just hope that it, it can it can carry on bangladesh go there in the end of this month in fact i think in a week or two to play i think a one-off test as well um and so yeah the, the, we, that's the second test of the series takes place in a while so it, right they sorry to yeah. play two test matches in a row basically yeah okay uh, and so with each day's cricket that takes place that that goes well mm. um it further validates this whole notion and you just cross all your fingers that the really big teams get out there as soon as possible mm. um must have the caveat this is a weakened Bangladesh side there's no Shakib obviously but there's no Mushfika either um the Pakistan England series eight this year I think is going to be a really really good series um Abbas Nasim also Shaheen Afridi mm. very good team attack and also I kind of like that the pressure's been taken off Shahid because there's another teenager, but he's still only 19 and he's taken more test wickets as a teenager than Nwazi Makram did, who played when he was really young as well. Um, and he's basically the leader of the attack. I know Abbas is very, very good as well, but Shaheen's the one who's bowling with amazing accuracy for a guy and the, like and the last and pace time as, as well. Last time as World Cup will stand him in good stead mm. as well. I mean, he had a tricky start to that summer where he got taken for loads in the, do you remember the warm-up series yeah. before the World Cup? And then he got dropped at the start of the World Cup, which I thought was a bit harsh given all sides were scoring 350 mm. in that warm-up series. And then came back and he took six for, didn't he, against Bangladesh um, and bowled really well at the back end of that tournament. So I think that will serve him really well. Just thinking about Nassim Shah as well, I feared for him a bit, obviously that Australia tour that they had 
could have been what well, was so demoralizing and you mm. just wonder the damage it will do to a young bowler so to see him and he came out with some credit from that in fairness but to see him come back and bowl so well against Bangladesh is great and Pakistan always giving England a good game here I mean yeah. the, the worry is always obviously always the batting um, but Babar Azam can, can do no wrong we'll go to our Babar Azam correspondent Phil Walker um, Babar's close to averaging 50 in all three international formats that's just insane yeah He's he's turned around those test match doubters quite quite effortlessly, hasn't he? I think he's he's, I mean, he's, he's like already 67. made over four hundred runs in the three test matches in home conditions as well. I think he's got three hundreds in a ninety seven. Yeah. Um, that pointedly at Ben Gardner that comment there. Just, Phil, just, I felt just the, the doubters out there. <laughs> yeah. Uh yeah. Look, I think he averages sixty seven since Ben said that. Is that right? Yeah. That's just what he needed. Yeah. I think. How he goes over here will be fascinating as well won't it because I mean the ball obviously does more over here than it does in almost mm. any other country that said the conditions Pakistan have got the midsummer gig rather than the early summer gig which should suit their batsmen a bit more you'd have thought and also he now looks so good it's hard to imagine conditions where he can't actually bat well now it's got yeah. to that point yeah and, and he is so deft as well that I think Swinging balls, seaming balls. I think he'll be fine. Um, the the reference point for me is the sixty seven that he made at Lords in that twenty sixteen Test match before before anyone had heard of him to begin with. But and then he was re- retired hurt. I think he hit his arm, um, had to go off, but just cruised it to sixty seven not out. This was before he'd made a Test match hundred and would have pretty pretty certain he would have nailed that one down at Lords if he hadn't received that blow uh, and. And you, you also saw it against the white ball as well. He was in early in the World Cup, but but he just that thirty he made against Australia in about twenty five balls. It's the hundred against New Zealand. It's one of the best you've ever seen. Sure, high sure. pressure, yeah, difficult conditions. This is it. This is it. But he was in early. You know, yeah. Imam didn't get many runs and so on. Uh, it, it'll be absolutely fine out here. And they're already talking quite openly. Misbarol Hat gave an interview to to Wisden Cricket Monthly upcoming issue. Uh, Tahar did it. Brilliant interview actually. Uh, and they're quite open about it. They say he's on a par with, Misbah's quote, he's on a par already with, with Coley and Smith. But, but this is the thing. I I still don't think he's uh, nearly as appreciated as the, the, the three in the Fab Four who are going so well at the moment. He, he needs the body of work, yeah. You know, he needs to get runs. He's not far off. He's not, he's not having far off. Having that body of work, though. Sure. And at a comparable age, he's probably ahead of the other three, I think. I think definitely... I think he's ahead of Coley. Well, in terms of test age? matches played, he's were ahead of Coley. Mm. I mean, yeah. Coley took a long time to get going in, in test cricket. Yeah. And, and he, in terms of the number of innings to get to, I think, two or 3,000 ODI runs, he's right up, right up there, top top two or three, I mm. think, as well. And he gets hundreds. He gets hundreds all the time mm. as well. These aren't just good scores. They're hundreds. Mm. It'll be interesting to see how he goes uh, by way of that comparison with Coley in England because, you know, Coley famously averaged 13 when he came over here as a lad in his early 20s. Basically equivalent series in terms of time of their careers. Yeah. I think maybe it's come one Is it year. four tests or three? Three. So it's in, only three, England so it's three and got, three. Yeah, England have only got six home tests this year. Baba's back for Somerset as well. Um, so he's playing, I think he's around for pretty much the whole blast or most of it. And he's also playing two county championship games as well, which mm. if you're a Somerset fan, or even if you're not, it'll be <laughs> worth popping along for that one. Definitely. Um, quickly on New Zealand, New Zealand beat India 3-0 in an ODI series, having lost a T20 series 5-0. Um, Shreyas Iyer, they found a number four, finally. Yeah. A bit late um, after, the, after the Vijay Shankar situation <laughs> in the World Cup. Um New Zealand chased down 348 in the first ODI with 11 balls to spare. Who'd have thought that the World Cup finalists um, would be 
hard to beat at home. Hey, um, but yeah. still though to come back from the most of the same players who played in the T Twenty side to get beaten five nil and also beaten in the way that they were with yeah. such tight finishes. Did you reckon? Do you reckon that made it harder? Because like in a way that wasn't really a five nil because you had two super overs. But equally, because they lost the two super overs and how they even got super overs, they should have won oh, both I just those thought games. It'd be more demoralising to, yeah. to lose in that way. Well, I guess they knew that they weren't that far away from India. There is that. Yeah. Just a word on Ayer. Um, I, I didn't see his hundred actually, which got him going in this this three match series. But I did see his follow up fifty in the second game, uh, and it's one of the purest fifty odds I think I've ever seen. And he hits his first ball for four. Uh, off Southie and it's a late swinging good length ball that starts on say fifth stump and swings late uh, and they're swinging only, swings away swings away yeah. and it, they're only 40 50 odd for two um, on top New Zealand and he just eases into it Lakshman style breaks the wrist slightly moves with the swing and yet still crunches it right out the screws on the up one of the purest best cricket shots you can possibly picture and that was his first ball Mm. He gave it away fifty odd from forty five or something like that, but just made it, you love him even more, right? That's your oh, totally, <laughs> yeah. I mean, who wants who wants the vulgarity of a three figure score when you can <laughs> give it away poetically? Yeah, um, I think I think he might be their next one. But then we've said this before, you know, and, and they've got a few next ones arriving sure. at the same time as well, Did haven't you they? Say earlier, Shubman Gill's likely to play in the Test series. Yeah. And um, Pretty Shaw's back in, back in amongst it as well. Smashing so, as well in that side as well. So Again, didn't get the big runs, but so Shaw and Gill uh, have played forty-one first-class matches between them and have sixteen hundreds at an average of sixty-seven mm. between them, which is which is quite good. Mm. And they're only twenty and twenty-one, I think, or maybe even both twenty. So uh, that'd be interesting. Very quickly, yeah, but we've got Ollie Pope. So yeah, true. And also um, India under 19s falling apart, aren't they? Yes. Uh, no, very quickly, we'll talk about oh, Test no, Series. Oh, no, I thought that was a really good link. Yeah, that was nice. Oh. How do you see the Test Series going, Joe? <laughs> <laughs> um, really I think uh, I think India will win. I think, to be honest, with India's seamers, I think it'll be quite a comfortable victory. Uh, yeah. That, yeah, I do. I do. I know New Zealand's record is formidable at home, um, but there's got to be some after effects of what happened to New Zealand and Australia as well. I mean, that Test side was kind of torn torn to shreds out there. Yeah, true. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, also it's a two-test series, so uh, yeah. I mean, it's if it was hard to call, isn't it, with a two-tester? Mm. It's a shame, though. I mean, this should be a marquee series. It's nonsense. I mean, in theory, this should be one of India's biggest tests away, yeah. away to New Zealand. Yeah. And and after this, they don't play a test match until October as well. When England, uh, sorry, November, when England go out there after the T20s. Um, that's not until that's not until January 2021. Is it January? Yeah. even? right. Okay. I might need to check that, but I know there's a large gap now from here on in. Yeah. Mm. On the 19s. Three. Doesn't work now, so, does it? Yeah, well, we're, we're close to it. Um, so who were who your standout players, Yaz? Um, first, we're going to talk about the final. Okay. So that was my moment of the week. Very strict with the order, isn't um, he? With the, this has come back. We've got to talk about the final. <laughs> we've got to talk about the final first before we go to the players. Um, so Bangladesh won it for the first time in their history. Um, so just for context, the final and the knockout stages were taking place in a small town called Potchestroom, population 40,000, an hour and a half drive away from Johannesburg. Did you see any snakes? Didn't see any snakes. Yeah. Um, but the crowd was full of Bangladeshi fans Excellent. who'd come from <laughs> everywhere. Superb. If Bangladeshi playing cricket, they're going to be fans there. Um, so it was an incredible atmosphere for an under-19 World Cup game in the middle of nowhere. I trust you got um, some good content out of this. Oh, lots, lots of good content. Um, and... 
India were going quite well. They got to 156 for three, being properly collapsed yeah. to 170 odd all out. Um, and Bangladesh kind of crawled to the target, bit of rain towards the end. So it was revised targets. They came out needing like 705 overs. Um, but what was interesting about the Bangladesh side, they were clearly a very good team. I think the England players at the start of the tournament said that they thought Bangladesh were the best team. And Bangladesh, I don't think, have any particularly standout players who looked a cut above at that level, but they just had all bases covered. Right. They had a good seam attack without being brilliant. Um, they had a decent spin attack without being amazing either and had four or five quite good, quite solid batsmen without looking incredible. Um, they were they were very good at rotating the strike that I've mentioned before we came on. That was one of the real uh, standout things in the tournament. Very few players could actually rotate the strike well against spin. So spinners overall had a really good tournament. Um, and Bangladesh had four or five quite good batsmen. They've got a op- left-handed opener who smashes it called Tamim, which is great. Uh, and then they've got middle order pairing called Hridoy and Joy. And Joy's called 100 um, against New Zealand in the semi-final. So yeah. he looks a really good yeah, player. Um, and this guy, Hridoy, uh, scored like almost as many youth ODI runs as anyone ever, basically. So he, he's another prospect. And they've got a left arm quick called Shoreful. Bowls a bit like Mustafizer. Mm-hmm. Um, you can see him making impact. And they've got a left arm spinner called Rackable, who took a lot of wickets throughout the tournament. Um, but if you, you, you were about to ask who are the standout players in the tournament, I wouldn't say any of them were, were Bangladeshi so the one who I think will play international cricket and do very well quite soon it's a guy called Ravi Bishnoi at India leading wicket taking the tournament both quite quick leg spin Simaril to Rashid Khan uh, taking more wickets than any Indian has ever taken in an under 19 World Cup he's got an IPL gig with Kings 11 Punjab I was looking at their squad they don't have um, a standout domestic spinner or a leg spinner full stop so I think he'll, he'll oh, right. play so, so he's playing then. so I think then, he will play yeah. and if you if you look at the India squad I don't think Chahal is a, an absolute nailed down long term fixture in that team and I think Bishnoi is someone who could quite realistically take that spot in the final his spell basically made it a contest so right. Bangladesh was 60 odd for none in that run chase and he took four for basically nothing and he's so a 19 year old or even younger 18 or 19 I'm not okay. sure but um, so he looks really good standout batsman was another Indian Jaiswell oh my god this guy's class like mm-hmm. he looked so dominant in that tournament so India's problem was they might have a brilliant middle order but they didn't get a chance so they that sounds familiar yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah genuinely it does yeah uh, so Jaiswell scored um, 100 in the semi-final against Pakistan unbeaten so they won that by 10 wickets yeah, I saw they, that. they beat Japan by 10 wickets uh, they didn't lose a wicket against New Zealand um and uh, he scored lots of runs against Sri Lanka as well. So the only game where he didn't, the only game where he got dismissed for less than fifty was against Australia in the quarters. Um, and in, it was him getting out for eighty-eight in the final that, that turned it. But he looked in such complete control of every situation that he was in. Um, and yeah, it's re- really good story. So Adia Sharma on Wisdom.com wrote a really good article a few months ago um, on his story. So he basically got picked picked up by uh, a, a coach in Mumbai who he lives with, and basically calls him his dad. Um, so yeah it's a great great read I'd recommend that um, I guess the problem with Indian batsmen is there's so many of them it's like I don't even though I thought he was amazing I yeah. don't know if he's actually going to play anytime soon um, also there's no such thing as a as a sure bet either mm. watching bits and bobs from the tournament reminded me of Unmukt Chand who I think was actually the captain of the he was yeah inside. and scored 100 in the final yeah as well. yeah uh, I don't think he has a contract anymore I, I don't think he's actually attached to any side at the minute um, and I think he's kind of he's, he's struggling in the backwaters of first class cricket, but he hasn't re- hasn't really featured in mm. the IPL much at all. And and so 
you think with Indian bat- batsmen that it's a given because you think of the number of people that they are climbing over to get to that yeah. point and you quickly transfer from 19 year old to IPL to to you know sniffing around the, the Indian setup itself but th- there's no such thing as a sure bet yeah I, I, I see what you're saying I'd say with Jaiswal he's already got a list a double hundred um, he's got an IPL gig with the Rajasthan Royals uh, I'm not writing him off yet yeah no I, know, I get that but I, I don't know I just felt I, I to- what I'm saying is I totally get what you're saying about how you can't really predict but uh, if you're going to predict anyone from that tournament to and make I did it, ask you to yeah he's yeah the, the dominance he had and also like that uh, the, the greed as well. Like he obviously wanted to score so. Yeah, many Yeah, I mean, runs. really, he should be dropping himself down down the order a bit there. From what you've described, <laughs> yeah. seeing as they're winning every game by ten yeah, wickets. Exactly. And how about I know? Sure. Sorry, he had the number hundred on his back when he played in the under nineteens World Cup, didn't mm. he? He actually had. Th- that's the, the the brass of the kid. Yeah, you know? it was a great moment after the semi final hundred. Jaiswal comes over to the Indian fans and uh, like. It was a bit. It was a bit Nasser Hussain after scoring his hundred. Um, <laughs> like he was like pointing at the India logo, going punching his chest. It was great. Like he kind of like realizes, I don't know, the the expectation already, which I thought was quite cool, given mm-hmm. he's only just turned eighteen. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it was a, an underwhelming tournament from England's perspective, and you could say they got a little bit unlucky. Tough group, and mm-hmm. as soon as they lost to Australia, that was pretty much their tournament done from a kind of competitive level almost. But if you could pick one one player from there from their group who stood out Mousley uh, so Mousley got 100 Dan Mousley at Warwickshire he got 100 in the last game against Sri Lanka um, another theme in the tournament is I don't think teams knew their best 11 basically and Mousley was batting at 5 and 7 in England's two crucial group stage games and then and he, he opened against Sri Lanka and then he opened he? Yeah. and he did really well when he's opening and I think he kind of <laughs> kind of like the, the Joss Butler problem in T20 cricket for England is that Mousley is can basically bat anywhere. He's probably he's their best finisher, but equally, uh, Ben Charlesworth looks very good as well at the top of the order. Um, he's arguably their best top order batsman as well. Um, I think he had a different. He could go to another gear. I think that the English other English batsmen couldn't really go to. Um, and yeah, Lewis Goldsworthy, left arm spinner, had a good tournament. Hamid Dulakadri had a good tournament as well. But I, I can't. I couldn't really work out. Was that just because the standard wasn't that high, and general? Uh, batsmanship quality against spin was quite low. Um, but I spoke to Min Patel, um, who is working with England under 19, is also head of uh, talent pathway at Kent, um, where Kadri has just moved from Derbyshire. And I'm doing this feature for the upcoming Wisdom Cricket Monthly on the, the most exciting teenagers in the UK. And spoke to Patel about Kadri, and, and he thinks he's he thinks he's really exciting. He thinks going to Kent, he's got a real good choice of being their first choice spinner this summer. Uh, and thinks he's got everything that he needs to be a an international spinner in time with enough overs under his belt. Yeah, he was really good. I think it's. I I got the impression that he's probably going to be more of a red ball player than a white ball player. That's also the impression I got from yeah. Patel, actually. And, yeah. his, and he bowled really well in the game against Australia, which England should have won, that would have gotten through to the quarterfinals. Kadri spell turned the game. He he took a few crucial wickets, turned the ball. And it's quite accurate. And everyone said that I think he's the, like, known to be the hardest worker, hardest trainer, takes the game the most seriously, probably out of the guys in the England under-19 squad. Um, I think finally on the under-19 World Cup, the, actually, I haven't talked about the most exciting player, Jaden Seals from West quick. Indies. Like, proper quick, 85, 86 miles per hour. He's only 18. Um, swings it, accurate. Ian Bishop said that he is ahead of where out Zari Joseph was at the equivalent tournament four years ago. Uh, and he's ready to play at senior level now, basically. Right. Bishop was properly glowing in in his praise for 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 seals. And uh, 
I guess we'll see him in the Caribbean Premier League this year, but uh-huh. I honestly would not be surprised. Like he wouldn't look out of place in a in an ODI squad that for a series it doesn't really matter. Basically, um, he's seriously exciting. Great stuff. Um, I think that that is everything from today's show. Cheers, Joe. Oh, cheers, Phil. Yes. We are done. We are done. Um, listeners, if you've enjoyed the show, tell your friends, get them to subscribe, and if you're feeling particularly kind, why not leave us a five star review on the podcast app? Podcast Network.